Welcome into another episode of Off the Record for Alexis Downey. I'm Kirsten Kroll, and it has been a heavy week across the country, but especially here in Minnesota, as news broke that on Sunday there was a police-involved shooting that involved the killing of Dante Wright. And we just felt it was really important to start the show by addressing this. We're going to go through with having a show this week, but just felt it was important to acknowledge what is going on, but also say there are things that are more important than sports. And this week in Minnesota as well, because of this tragedy that happened, the Minnesota Wild, Minnesota Twins, and Minnesota Timberwolves all postponed their games that were supposed to take place on Monday. But like I said, we're going to continue with this week's show, but our thoughts and prayers are still with members of the community and Dante Wright's family. Yeah, absolutely. Praying for the community in Minnesota, as well as his family, friends, everyone involved, and definitely very respectful of the teams to postpone their games. Um, and that kind of transitions us into some of the topics for this week, starting with the Frozen Four. I know it's not necessarily the happiest topic to start with this week for Kirsten, but uh, UMass did defeat St. Cloud State on Saturday, five to zero, unfortunately, in Pittsburgh. And I'm just gonna kind of lead you into this, Kirsten. How are you feeling? What did you think of the game? Um, you know, leading up to it, awesome that St. Cloud got the opportunity to play in that championship game. To be fully transparent, I'm really sad. I was really sad Saturday night when the game was ongoing. Uh, I was not personally watching it on TV, but I was listening to the call via my phone. I was out of town, so I was listening to the game. I was following the tweets, and I just remember seeing St. Cloud State is down one nothing, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's still really early. It's just the first period. Vieti Mietnin, he got a shot on net that went just off the post, so they had an opportunity. They were really close. It's like, it's still early. Check my phone again later. They're down two nothing. Check my phone again later. They're down three nothing. And then it just went downhill really fast from there. So, I mean, very, very disappointing as a St. Cloud State fan, but also there's a lot of positives to take away. I mean, first and foremost, you just got to talk about the so-called underdog story, if you will. St. Cloud State went in to this season, not even being ranked, everyone counting them out, to then finishing technically second in the country, making it to their first ever national title game. And although they didn't win, again, a lot of positives to take away. I think they're going to have a lot of players who are going to be returning next season. I know Spencer Meyer, the captain of the team, he will be returning. Brett Larson at the helm of that program. I think there's just a lot of bright spots ahead. So although a really disappointing way to end the season, there are some things to really look forward to for next season. I certainly felt bad when I saw the final score of the game. I was also out of town, not watching it on TV, but following it a little bit on social media. And I was very surprised, honestly, to see that. But from my understanding, UMass just really was the team that wanted it a little bit more in the game. And that'll happen. You have your off nights. Um, but exciting for UMass. It was their first national championship in their program history. Um, and the MVP of the game, Bobby Trevano, uh, he, he was suspended in the 2019 national championship game. So getting to play in this game, I'm sure was a special moment for the senior, 
So it was, you know, I'm glad that we got to have a frozen four and St. Cloud was a part of that conversation. And hopefully next season, maybe things will look up and maybe they'll have another shot at it. I'm really hoping they do because just this program, they really deserve it. And I know what, even the week leading up to the frozen four, I was just so excited. Me having that personal connection, knowing a lot of players still on that team, a lot of members of the staff, which also made it extra sad for me because you just want to root for those guys so bad. But, you know, the program, it's in a really good place. And so I'm really looking forward to the future of everything that they have going on. And in Minnesota too, Division One Hockey, they're adding a sixth Division One NCAA hockey program with St. Thomas, Rico Blasi being the head coach of that program. So especially in the state of hockey, things are really looking up. And so really excited to see what next year brings, but that's gonna bring us into our next conversation, still staying on the topic of hockey, but switching to the pros this time. This past week was the NHL trade deadline, and there were some really big moves made, especially one that was arguably very controversial for a lot of people with the Sabres trading Taylor Hall to the Bruins for arguably nothing is what a lot of people said. They did get a couple conditional draft picks, I believe, out of it. I could be wrong in thinking of a different trade with that, but regardless, the Sabres lost Taylor Hall, and people don't really understand why that happened. <laughs> well, you know, the Sabres have just struggled so much this year. You almost feel bad for them when they were on their 18 game losing streak. Um, Taylor Hall just not quite having the season that they were hoping that he would have in Buffalo. And Jack Eichel has been out. So they haven't had the production from their captain. So getting rid of Taylor Hall well, while he was at a low price was kind of a need for them. Um, and I actually did see him landing in Boston. And I, ironically, he ended up with the Bruins um, and that's gonna add some nice scoring depth if he's able to find that groove in his game again, hopefully. So Bruins fans, I'm sure can be really happy about that. But then also, I mean, you look at some of the other big trades, specifically one that happened the day of the trade deadline between the Washington Capitals and Detroit Red Wings, another trade where people said that the Capitals really got the short end of the stick. They gave away quite a bit to get Anthony Mantha from the Red Wings. And, you know, is it going to pay off? Because Mantha, again, another player that hasn't quite had the season that he's had in past years, but he's going to be surrounded by a team that are goal scorers. They know how to play hockey. There's a lot of guys on the team that are from still their Stanley Cup winning year in 2018. So I think that Mantha should be super excited to be with the Capitals and the Red Wings are getting quite a bit out of it. They got Jacob Verana, Richard Panic, and a first and first and second round draft pick, which is actually a ton. So hats off to uh, Steve Eiserman in Detroit for getting that done. And, you know, we're talking about a lot of teams who did make moves at the NHL trade deadline. A team that didn't was the Minnesota Wild. People were thinking maybe there was a couple potential moves that they could make, you know, and the day went on. It was just very quiet. Bill Guerin ended up saying they didn't make any moves because 
it wasn't their time to, and that their time will come. And a lot of people really happy with the decision to not make any decision on the NHL trade deadline. One thing that was rumored to potentially happen was maybe Nick Foligno would come from the Blue Jackets to the wild, be united with his brother, Marcus Foligno. That ultimately did not happen. Nick Foligno is headed to Toronto, but just a couple more moves that happened during that day and some interesting ones at that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Toronto really actually lucked out getting Felino. Sorry, Wild fans, but I think that that is really going to help them in this postseason because traditionally the Maple Leafs have struggled in the postseason and getting a guy that knows how to play in the postseason, being on a team that beat the Lightning in a year past, not last year, but the year before in the playoffs, um, I think is something that Maple Leafs fans can be excited about. And he's a leader. So having another leader on your team is never a bad thing. Yeah, and even speaking on that, being the former captain now of the Columbus Blue Jackets, I found it really interesting. We all know John Tortorella is very, very opinionated. And once the trade was announced, he did release in one of the statements or in a conversation that he had during an interview that that relationship he has with Nick Foligno will continue. And that in early discussions, he told him straight up, he didn't think he was captain material. He just didn't see it with him, but that he was proven wrong. And so now that he's headed to Toronto, sees that relationship continuing and just big, big win, I think for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But that is going to wrap up our discussion for the NHL trade deadline. When we come back, we're going to have our favorite segment on or off. So stay with us. Welcome back to Off the Record. We've made it to our on or off segment. One of us will say a statement. The other will say whether we agree, meaning on, or disagree, meaning off. Okay, starting up, there is trust with MLB officiating still after the missed call in the Braves and Phillies game. You know, I saw the replay and they took, what was it, at least five minutes to review the play to see if he was safe at home plate, which ultimately also ended up being the run that cost the Braves the game. And I saw the replay. There was no way he was safe. And you saw in the press conference too with players for Atlanta, even saying, you review the play, why do we have this technology if you're not gonna reverse a call or actually make the right call? And so this is completely off. There's no trust with MLB officiating. I think there needs to be a serious review. There needs to be conversations for why this call wasn't overturned and why he was ruled safe when he very clearly wasn't. It definitely makes you wonder like what the ump was thinking in that moment. I understand it's a hard job, especially in such a, um, a time timing moment, um, but yeah, there is a reason obviously for uh, replay and overturning calls. So hopefully we don't see any more of that during this MLB season because the fans were immediately mad after it. You could hear the booing. Yeah, and not only that, but the players for the Braves were very upset. They just said at that point, you don't even want it because I mean, if you can't 
rule something that was so obvious. I see maybe not getting it right in the moment, but when you have the technology and you take that second look, how do you miss that? But Alexis, switching gears over to the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals signing James Conner was the right move. Okay, so this one hurts a little bit. Um, I'm saying that this is off um, because, you know, I, as a Steelers fan, loved James Conner. I loved his story, his resilience on the field, but he did have injuries. He was kind of a liability. So getting rid of him and having um, him go to the Cardinals probably is for the best in the long run. Um, the Cardinals were looking for another running back. And I only know this because my fantasy team this year, I had the Cardinals running backs and they had some injury issues. So they were always looking for another guy. Um, so James Connors, Connor will be playing with Chase Edmonds um, and I obviously wish him all the best, but I'm not too happy that he's leaving Pittsburgh. Now the Steelers I think are going to need to draft a running back. Yeah. And uh, you know, those can be difficult. You don't always understand the vision with what the organization is thinking, but I think I just completely agree with everything that you had to say on that. <laughs> Okay, so switching a little bit gears back to the NBA, the new ownership group, including A-Rod for the Minnesota Timberwolves, is a great move for the franchise. I'm not going to lie, this scares me because there have been talks from Timberwolves fans especially because people are just so upset with the current state of where this team not only is currently at, but where they have been. They're not winning. A change in ownership, I think, was necessary but I'm nervous because I see A-Rod and that new ownership group taking the team and moving them, leaving Minnesota. Minnesota's already had one team leave the state and that was the Lakers. And so now we have the Timberwolves, a great market in Minneapolis, by the way, I just wanna say, but it's really upsetting for me as a Minnesota native to hear other Minnesota sports fans kind of rooting for moving this team. I know Seattle has been in conversation saying, move the Timberwolves to Seattle, give them an NBA team again. It scares me because I could actually see this group moving the team. I don't want to see that happen. I want to see them try to fix what's broken here, but I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I don't know if they will. I see them just picking up and leaving. You know, that's super interesting because I wouldn't have thought that necessarily seeing, you know, A-Rod being a part of that was a bad thing, but very, very good point, especially if they were, you know, to move the team to Seattle. Um, I can say that if I were in the shoes of a Timberwolves fan, I would, I would, I guess I could see your, your side of being a little bit upset about that. I will say you are not a real fan if you are rooting for them to move the team. I don't know why in your right mind anyone would want that. So anytime I see somebody from Minnesota tweeting that, I'm mad at you. I see it. I'm just holding back my words so I don't go <laughs> off on you. But also I would like to know if this did say happen, if they were considering moving the team, I believe in the contract, they can't do it. Well, the sale, I believe the details are a little fuzzy, but there's something in it. They can't do it for at least another two years. They just completely remodeled the Target Center where the Timberwolves play. So it's basically a brand new arena. Spent, I think, $70 million on that project. 
And so I believe that was also paid for with Minnesota taxpayer money. If they were to move the team, it would cost them $50 million to the state. So I don't know, it's something that is up in the air, but I still could see them doing that buyout and leaving, which is concerning for me. But Alexis, that leads me to the final question that I have for you. Speaking of contracts, Aaron Rodgers' contract is hurting Packers in free agency. So I'm going to say that this is on for the reason that it kind of is leaving the team in a spot right now where they aren't sure what they're going to be doing because Aaron Rodgers' contract has not been done. It has not been completed. So when you're kind of in that limbo stage, it's like, well, as a fan of the team, what are we expecting? We're obviously hoping you know, that things get done and that the salary is not too much preventing us, you know, the team from signing um, some good free agents. But especially with the upcoming NFL draft, how do you go into the draft not really knowing where your team is at? I think it's putting a whole hold on their whole organization. I agree 100%. I think this is something that you've got to figure out right away. You know, there are spots on the Packers that need to be addressed. And also, too, this just kind of plays into that quarterback controversy. We know Aaron Rodgers is kind of giving people the idea he's not happy with where he's currently at because of the drama we saw last year with the Packers drafting another quarterback in the first round. Rodgers wasn't happy by that. It seemed like he was really blindsided by it. So I think that his contract right now and them not having negotiated new terms for it is just kind of adding even more fuel to the fight. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. So I guess we'll see hopefully soon what the Packers will be doing with that. But don't go anywhere. When we come back, we will have our final thoughts. Welcome back in to Off the Record, and it's time to give our final thoughts. And this week, I just have to say I'm a huge fan of tweets that did not age well. Most recently, a tweet resurfaced from the LA Kings from March 1st, 2018, where they said, why would any team ever trade Jeff Carter? Well, on the day of the NHL trade deadline, the LA Kings did in fact trade Jeff Carter to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a couple of conditional draft picks in 2002 and 2023. So guys, be careful what you tweet because things on the internet truly never die. I saw that tweet earlier today and I was laughing, especially because the Penguins quote tweeted it with that little emoji that's like speculative. So funny. And as a Penguins fan, excited to welcome Carter to the city of Pittsburgh. <laughs> and my final thought of this week comes to a big shout out to the DC United team in the MLS for hiring the second female GM in MLS history. Lucy Rushton joined the team the last 
female GM was in 1999 in Lynn Mederperl, who served as the GM for the San Jose Clash. Rushton was with the team in Atlanta for the past five years as the head of video. So it's just really awesome to see more women getting into power positions in all of sports. Yes, and well-deserved at that too. We've been hearing about a lot more representation, not only in the MLS, for example, with the point you just brought up, but across all sports as well. So it's really great to see. I'm happy we're moving in that direction where women are rightfully getting the roles that they deserve. But Alexis, I think that's gonna do it for this week's show. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. On behalf of Alexis Downey, I'm Kirsten Kroll, and we're just going to friendly remind you to follow us on Twitter at OTR Sports Talk and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. That's going to do it for this week, episode number eight. We'll see you guys back here next week.